Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. I am Sean Ferrick. I'm Paul Sutherland. And this week we are joined by a very special guest. How are you getting on, Pedro? Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for, for inviting me. Uh, been doing good as long as possible, as much as possible. Excellent. This is cool. I think because th- that's the thing. This is the first episode where we can't say we are surviving 2020. We have to come up with something else to say now. Yeah, exactly. It took me a while to, to think about something. But, but the thing is, I'm doing fine. That's the most important thing. I think it, it's, you know, we just came out of a rough year. So all things considered, we're doing, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Good. Unfortunately, we only have one more episode of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know although, how to feel depending about on where you, Depending on where you live, you have lower decks to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. That's the bright side of it. Yeah, and actually, um, what is it? Uh, there is a Tide, uh, which was last week's episode. That's the right title, right? It is the right title. And yeah, I get why you're asking as well, yeah. It's it's a very Star Trekky title. I feel like there might have been three or four episodes with a similar title. But um, <laughs> that was actually counting the movies and the short treks, the 800th installment of the franchise. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. I love that as well, because not only is it obviously the 800th, but... Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Proper keeping it in yeah, the family. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Again, with the nice coincidences, given the fact that Discovery was supposed to have premiered earlier, I guess the 800th installment would have been a Lower Decks episode if the initial uh, schedule had been stuck to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, so about, about There is a Tide... Um, I mean, I actually really enjoyed the episode. I thought that it was kind of like counter to a lot of my criticisms of the season overall. I really appreciated the simplicity of the storytelling. What all did you think? Pedro, you you go first there. All right. Uh, I made some notes. Oh, great. Cool. Overall, I really liked it, the episode. Uh, it's, I mean, it's directed by Jonathan Frakes, so generally, as a rule, everything that Jonathan Frakes directs, I love. That's basically that's been the, the, the trend for me. 
Um, Does that include Star Trek maybe? Insurrection? Yeah. I love yeah, Insurrection. I'm just going to tell you. I do too. I do too. I do too. I do too. No, look. Look, it's it's. I like the movie, all right. It's it's not the worst. I think Nemesis is probably a lot worse than Insurrection, in my opinion. So yeah, I I, I stand for my point. Okay, continue. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Uh, you. No, that's all right. Uh, about the episode, many great things, many great points. Uh, one of the best things about it is we finally see the crew working together, which I love. You know, it's something that we we've been, you no know, people been asking to see more of the crew, like the background uh, characters since the f first season of Discovery, and we, we got little tiny bits here and there, but nothing really... And I mean, this is also, it's not like it's a huge character, uh, character development episode, but we still got to see the crew working together and everything, and uh, a lot of background characters shine, and I think that's one of, one of the huge points of the episode. I, I really liked that aspect of it. Um, I mean, I don't know how in depth I should go because I want everyone to, to, to open it to share their opinions also I don't want to like list the whole thing that I <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Sean why don't you tell us uh, I mean obviously if we've been keeping up on our ups and downs we know your opinion but uh, have you uh, have you had any changes of heart or anything I'm going to introduce a curveball into my reviews for this week for Star Trek Discovery and that is I feel like they really should have mentioned the burn this week. <laughs> and I feel like such a, yeah. like, Sean, make up your mind. Sorry, Pedro, like, every single week I have criticized the burn on season three of Discovery. It has just been this. Yeah, I saw, uh, I saw the episode. Oh, like, and I was just like, but now that we know what the burn is, I get, but you see, I suppose to kind of contradict myself a little bit. It, this episode kind of went at more or less breakneck speed. Like, there, it, to kind of stop to go, Dear Admiral Vance, here we have, you know, the reason for everything. Yeah, where would you have kind of shoved that in? And also considering the fact that Discovery's crew are all prisoners. Um, but overall, I liked the episode. I did. Um, I definitely had... I suppose, yeah, if you've seen the ups and downs, I have more ups than I had downs for it. I, I, I enjoyed it overall. I have... Okay, jumping to the very end of the episode for you both, okay? I have something I deliberately didn't mention on the ups and downs thing because I'm letting it kind of percolate in my head. What do you think of the last-minute inclusion of Zora and I think it's the Dot 23 robots? I didn't like it very much, to be honest. Now get out of here. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I get that the robots are, are cute and everything, and I, 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 I root for them, but I just felt like that was, that was, wasn't exactly the kind of ending I was expecting, because I was, I was expecting more of like the crew trying to come up with crazy ways, like making crazy science and everything to take over the ship. And now it's like they're just going to use the robots because they have the AI on their side. So it, it's just a huge advantage. And to me personally, I didn't like that because I was, you know, to that point, I was really looking forward to seeing like the crew shine and make all those crazy sciences and everything. And I don't know, let's blow up a shuttle and stuff like that, you know. And, and now it seems like everything is going to be more uh, obvious. You know, they're going to just use that to their advantage and things are going to go in a more, uh, let's say, predictable route. That's how I felt about it. Anyway, it, it's one of the few things on the episode that I actually didn't like very much. Okay, yeah. So I really liked the inclusion of the DOTs. Uh, 
they've been kind of like teasing about their you know involvement all season so that that did feel like a payoff to me and the fact that we're finally getting back to the Zora thing despite like even like like the burn's been like this lingering mystery over the course of the season that they mention almost every episode but the Zora uh sphere data plot line has been really like far and few between as far as like when they actually touch on it so i appreciated that we're back here and it's going to play a big part in like resolving the season but to your point about the crew uh banding together and kind of getting like to like the uh reese uh you know and bryce getting the little like moments to shine um, I really appreciated that much more than the forced hugging and like awkward dinner conversation we had earlier in the season. That was, you know, that was like the big uh, character development episode. But this feels more natural and more actually substantial to me than that. So yeah, I, I mean, I really, I, I, I get your point, and I <laughs> maybe I'm, my opinion about the involvement of the DOTs is kind of. Kind of, kind of shifting now. Now that you mentioned that they might, they might rob the spotlight from the crew. I think. Here's, here's the other thing too. Uh, no, 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 no. Please, please go ahead. Uh, well, the the other thing is this. It's like I also get your point because they did like kept showing the, the the little robots. I don't, I can't remember the names. It's DOTs. Yeah, DOT sevens were the earlier, the twenty third century versions, and I I think they're DOT twenty yeah, threes right. now think so right yeah. right but uh they kept teasing that and i, I understand that it's great to see the storyline from with zora you know uh coming back to light again but here's the thing they're doing this in the uh the one the, the episode before the last episode you know? it, it seems so rushed to me personally you know if you're gonna tell the story it's i i personally think it's 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 better to just you know, take your time and let's say continue next season, for example. Uh, than to just you know put everything in this in these two final episodes. Uh, I, like the robots came in the last episode, and the last episode just made the the Osira a, a different character. So we have that to 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 think about as well. You know, a, a lot of changes in my opinion, like last minute changes. You know, the burn wasn't mentioned for like the first time ever. So it's like, you know, we, we, were in the, we were in the mirror universe just a while back. So, you know, it keeps jumping from place to place. And I think that it would be better to just, you know, take the time and develop the stories, you know, in the long run than to just place them all together in this you know, final episode, which I'm honestly not sure how they're going to pull it off because it seems like too much for just like one last episode. But anyway, that's how I feel about it. Anyway. I feel, I sorry, I'm very much on the same page as you, Pedro. I mean, I am enjoying it, but I feel this season, which, and we've talked about this, I have, I am really enjoying season three, but this season, more so than season one and more so than season two, would benefit from more episodes. This would benefit from the longer, maybe the 26 episodes format of, say, The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, because there are so many different ideas floating around this idea of the sphere data and zora i this is why i didn't mention because i don't want to give them a down because i love zora and annabelle wallace this beautiful voice i'm so happy to hear that she's back but why did we get it in the closing moments of the penultimate episode of the season when you know we could have had i suppose maybe devil's advocate they might be building her up for season four 
which I I think they kind of have to because I'd be like I they couldn't possibly resolve it all in one episode and that's not a criticism that's a, if they manage to do it teach me how to write television guys because wow yeah they bit off a lot this season with um, the Emerald Chain with the Sphere Data slash Zora with the Federation being in tatters with the Burn with Adira and Grey um, so unfortunately it seems like maybe we're not going to get the big episode that we were hoping for that might tie into uh, Calypso and really explain how the ship you know is in the state it's in in that short trek versus how it's you know ended up this season we're probably not going to get all the material that we really hoped we'd see out of this season but I think if they just left Zora uh, for season four that to me would be a big disappointment so I am happy that they are at least circling back hopefully this isn't it for Zora hopefully you know uh, this week's final episode of the season uh, doesn't like you know just wrap everything up in a nice bow I think we're I mean, obviously, I, uh, well, I we were joking just, just before coming on that a lot of my predictions have been wrong every single time, but I do predict a cliffhanger ending, I think, for the season. Mm. Um, That's interesting. I, well, I might be totally wrong. Both seasons prior, you know, I mean, both seasons prior had cliffhangers of some yeah, sort. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I was, I was, I was going to say, oh, maybe. No, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, Discovery vanishes into a wormhole fairly large cliffhanger and the arrival of the Enterprise I still haven't recovered from the arrival of the Enterprise at the end of season one I mean you may be right though we might have like a best of both worlds type cliffhanger where it's think, you know, in the middle yeah. of you know something monumental going on screen um, I kind of you know personally would rather that not happen given how long we have to wait between seasons but it would at least be a change in the way they've been you know concluding their season so might be interesting but the thing is also i don't think they would do that because you know the uh people bring this up all the time it's it's a streaming show now so it's not like the, the in the time of tng the, the public has changed and i i think people probably wouldn't like enjoy waiting for you know a long period of time before getting the the, the next episode let's say because the cliffhangers on season one and two they are cliffhangers but this the main story was finished yes that's true. They, they yeah. made it, the, that's the point, you know. So the public, they they, they have that. Um, they they could see the story through the start to the end. You know, the cliffhanger was more like a bridge. It wasn't a, a continuation of the story, and you know, and that's something that I think is really connected with the this, this streaming world because people want to see like, well, that's the season. That's what happens in this season, and the next season is another story uh, or something like that. You know, and. The point is, I don't think they would uh, make a cliffhanger in the middle of the story, you know, so that people would have to wait uh, a certain period of, the, of time before actually seeing how it ends. I, I don't think they would do that, personally. No, and I think you, I, I hope you're right. Um, there's just so much content to get to in one episode this week. There's going to have to be... There, there, there will inevitably, inevitably be some strings that are left dangling. Um, you know, one of the big things that we've been speculating about was whether or not the Federation is what it seems to be. And, you know, this week actually, um, I think that sort of like actually uh, furthered that discussion a little bit, at least in my mind. Um, because you got like, you got to see the relationship between the Emerald Chain and the Federation and how they compare and how they contrast. Um, I guess I'll, 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 I'll pose this as a question. Do either of you 
think that Osiris intentions aren't true to what she's saying. Pedro, you go first there. I have my opinions. That, all right, all right. That's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, it's hard to, to ignore the first impressions, you know, because the hologram, Eli, he said she was being truthful. But I, I just can't believe she's being truthful. You know, I, I, it's, 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 I don't see exactly where she would go with that because, I mean, Obviously, she would have to make a lot of concessions, which she did based on what uh, Admiral Vince uh, read on the on the on her document. But here's the thing: I don't think she's the type of type of character that would do that. You know, that would just accept those concessions. And even if she did, she would have to deal with the Federation and you know all those ideals, which would certainly get in the way of of her entire operation. So I don't, I mean, maybe she is truthful to the point that she's telling the truth, but she has plans for the future that aren't exactly what she's telling, you know, possibly, maybe. Okay, so for Osira in this episode, what I feel is that in a way, yes, she is being honest, but in a way, she's hiding things in plain sight, and I think she does want to unite Federation. I think she does want to, you know, incorporate the symbol of unity by joining the Emerald Chain and the Federation. But I think she's doing that to give the Emerald Chain legitimacy. Whereas right now, they are a band of crooks. And even though this episode has shown us that it is a much better organised band of crooks than we might have thought, but there is structure to it, there is... I don't know if you would call it a judicial system, but there is, in what happens in the chain, um, I feel that it's still seen as the original Orion Syndicate. You know, it's just got a, a massive green facelift, you know, after a thousand years. And the Federation, whatever it actually is, or whatever it turns out to be in the 32nd century... As she said, they have the clout that she can't buy. They were always, you know, the Federation is fantastic. It's, you know, it's wonderful. The sun shines out of wherever. And the the, the Emerald Chain, they cannot bully, they cannot buy, and they cannot intimidate their way into that kind of standing. Only the Federation has that kind of standing. And so, yes, absolutely, she is telling the truth, in my opinion, and that she wants to unify. But in name only. Yeah, you know, um, I think I complained in an earlier podcast that I thought that Osira... <laughs> <You>? No! <laughs> I thought that I, Osira <laughs> was kind of like mustache swirling and not very interesting to me, and I didn't want her to be the primary antagonist because I didn't think that she was very interesting. And um, I think this episode completely reversed that for me. Um it's an interesting choice to make her Orion instead of, you know, uh, an alien race that was, you know, maybe less um, previously explored or maybe somebody who's a little bit more threatening. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't... My I, She's the villain, so we're not really supposed to trust her. Like, we're supposed to question her motives, right? But, you know, so, like, my initial reaction was, oh, man, she's just, like, screwing with them. She doesn't really want to join the Federation. But as the episode progressed i i bought into it and um then in the ready room 
which is supplemental material, and it's not really supposed to affect how you view the show. But they uh, they they talked about it like her her motives were pure, or at least genuine. Like she really was saying that she wanted to join the Federation. So I'm gonna go ahead and take her word for it. Maybe this week will, you know, uh, will totally undo that. But um, it, I think it's more interesting if she really does want to join the Federation, and that's what her you know, her minions mission is, even though they're, you know, they're like violent thugs, a lot of them. But then we have uh, Aurelio, who, you know, he clearly believes in her cause. And I think that that's like so Star Trek-y to have this like, you know, this like ragtag group of, you know, questionable, uh, you know, um, possibly evil dude you know dudes like uh wanting to be better like i think that that's like that's like exactly what the show needed was like you know a sort of like an uplifting uh villain yeah i think that's probably how they will end the season honestly i think they'll they'll make i don't know crazy predictions i don't, i think they're setting up her to to like be redeemed at the end i think you know they, they they've made her like this this uh, shallow villain for most of the season, and then in the end they they add that complexity, and I don't I don't think it's like by accident. I think they probably want to do something with that. And as you mentioned, there's uh, Aurelio. I don't know how. I think that's that's how you pronounce mm. his name, right? Aurelio, I think is what it was. Yeah, Aurelio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know they added him also to that to that episode, which makes the whole thing more complex again. And his relationship with, with Osida and everything, so I think they'll probably use that to like create some sort of uplifting ending. Yeah, I think I don't know how, but I think that's that. That would be my prediction. I think. Only problem I have with with that, uh, because I think as written, if it were not for one scene, as written, you probably could have a redemption of Osiris. You could have potentially a joining of the minds and a joining of the. Uh, of the forces. But she did murder Rin in cold blood on the bridge in front of other people. And I don't know, I mean, she's hardly the first... Let's say she did turn out to be a good guy, right? She'd hardly be the first good guy to commit murder. Achoo, Benjamin Sisko in the pale moonlight. But, um, <laughs> you know, she did fairly shoot that man between the eyes for no particular... Re well, not no particular reason, but yeah. Yeah, but... Georgiou ate that is true. living Kelpians. Don't forget that. Yeah. I haven't forgotten that still. You can't forget that one. <laughs> I can't accept that, honestly. I, I can't accept that. I, I, every time I see her, it's like, I, I, I cannot sympathize with this. <laughs> it's not... I, I can't. Yeah, off topic, that may be my least favorite moment in the entire franchise. What, eating the ganglia? <laughs> eating the ganglia. <laughs> yeah. It's just so dark and unnecessary, and the way Sinequa yeah, Martin Green exactly. plays that disgusted bite, that's just too much. <laughs> I can take Remick exploding over, <laughs> over uh, eating the Kelpian. <laughs> Poor Remick, we hardly knew ye. Yeah, same with Rin. Poor Rin. Um, you know, uh, I think I could have used a few more episodes getting to know the guy before they offed him like that, uh, but... You know, he his death uh, will probably serve a very good purpose 
in this upcoming episode, at least, you know, as a motivating force. Yeah, I I certainly think so. About that, you know, honestly, every time that I try to speak... <laughs> it's my fault! I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 no, but, but what, uh, what I was going to say is that about uh, Rian, I, I, I also felt like, obviously I was sad to see him go, but at the same time, I felt like they did a good job with that. You know, if they had to kill him, I like that. You know, he stood up and he said, "I'm not afraid, afraid of you anymore." You know, I felt that it was a really touching moment. You know, I, I saw real bravery, I saw real courage, and not afraid of you anymore. I felt that like that was a, it was a good way to go. I think. You know, he stood up for his values, and he he uh, sent a positive message, and it made the episode feel a bit more, let's say, heavy. But again, if I if, if it was my personal choice, I would probably not kill him. Because I'm also glad to hear character. that you wouldn't kill him by choice. Yeah, that up the stakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Paul. Sorry, just to agree with what you said there, it, it did up the stakes. Uh, do you do you both feel that it undid a little bit of Osira at the end of the episode? That what what she had been going through, say, with Vance you know, developing as she did as a character and, you know, de- depicting this other side of her to then so brutally just and casually kill him. Do, do you feel that was a bit like, oh, all right then? Or are you kind of like, nope, I never bought into this new version of Osiris, so this is absolutely fine for me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, for me, it's neither. Um, I thought that it reinforced who we already knew Osira was. Uh, Just because she's got an ulterior motive that happens to be, you know, what we would see as like a positive one doesn't make her any less cruel and horrible. You know, I think it just makes her more interesting. Pedro. That's an interesting take. Uh, I, personally, I think... I mean, it's, it's a complicated question because I have to remember exactly what I felt when I saw this scene. But I think I was partially surprised, but also not 
that surprised because I felt like they were building up for something like that. You know, and I love, I have to, to say this, I love the, the exchange between her and Admiral Vance. You know, when Admiral Vance tells her that, you know, we can't just forgive you. you know, all, all that we have to, to structure our future is our past. We have to, to uphold these ideals no matter what. And I, obviously that's really Star Trek-ish. I, I love that, that part of the episode. And so, you know, I think that they, they kind of told a little story. You know, it's Osira gets there. She starts talking like she wants something. Uh, she wants peace and everything. And then she starts talking with Admiral Vance. Admiral Vance tells her, you know, that if she wants peace, she have, she'll have to sacrifice something. And, you know, when it's time for her to sacrifice something in the name of that which she, you know, says she wants so much, she doesn't want anymore. You know, so it's like, it's like a little story. You know, we saw her pretending to be something. Then when we, you know, we poke her, we see who she truly is. And in the end, she reveals the, you know, she... she Let's everything out and kills Rin. I think it's like it's like a little story, built in within those those the context of the episode. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you know that moment will probably pl play along with you know uh, Aurelium. So you know the scene was constructed especially to 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 give that little hint that you know he's starting to see who she truly is and everything. So, you know, as I said, I think it's, it's a small little narrative inside the, the greater narrative. Yeah, I think that um, I think the scenes with Vance and Osira were some of the best of the series. Um, however, <laughs> I, I wondered if Vance intentionally torpedoed the negotiations. Like, it just seemed so sudden and so directed at her that he should have known that she would, you know, storm out or be this out. I Sorry, Joe, you've just... Uh, you've hit a nail on the head there, Paul, because this, I think, ties into our, say, overall thing of, you know, what is, what is the Federation? What is, what is all of it? What is Starfleet? Because one thing that I picked up on straight away is that why is Vance doing this negotiation rather than, say, a, a civilian? Uh, and allowing for the fact of, okay, maybe we want the military to handle this, right? We're making an assumption there, but let's say they want to go with that. that. That You've described it perfectly. I mean, at the most delicate stage of negotiations, he was like, this is great, this is good. Oh, you'll never see the light of day again. You're going to jail. You're going to Rorapenthe. And, you know, there's only a beaming shield. You are screwed, Osira. Why, why would you bring that up at this point? And... You know, does he really have the experience to be doing this? You would assume so, as the CNC. You would just kind of say, all right, well, yeah, I, I guess so. But this is back possibly to the theory of how old is he really? Is he, in fact, a holographic construct? Who knows? Speculate. Speculation. Is he Dadmiral or Badmiral? I like both. Um, <laughs> yeah, he could be both, yeah. Um, but um, also, the episode went out of its way to shield us from seeing the civilian government again. Uh, the first time we saw the Federation, I thought that that was maybe just for, like, expediency of the storytelling. You know, we don't want to have to, like, muddy the waters by having another group of characters to introduce you to. So, okay, the Federation Council's off somewhere else. This episode, she deliberately, specifically asks where the Federation president is, and Vance tells her, oh, you know, I have the power to, uh, to negotiate with you. Um, so it raises the question in my mind, either is there a civilian government at all? Is there really a Federation president? Or is the Federation president like some big 
<laughs> exciting reveal that we're going to get next week. No? Sean's shaking his head. I... Okay, yeah, so I... I have to say, I have bought into now the idea that there is no civilian government. That what we see is what we get. That inside that bubble is literally all that is left of the Federation in the 23rd century. Whether that is real in terms of, say, there are a bunch of ships parked away, still flying the flag of the Federation and relying on the reputation of the Federation, or whether it is something not too dissimilar to that relay station, you know? And here, dropped on their doorstep, was the most advanced starship, well, of the 23rd century. So technologically, yes, it's, it's out of date, but it has the spore drive. You know, great, it's the best thing ever, this is stunning. But why, again, sorry, I know I repeat myself, but why would something that is akin to the Orion Syndicate in the 24th century be any threat to these guys? And what have they been doing for a hundred years? A hundred years. So we're talking the distance between Kirk and Picard. Think of the technological advancements that went through that period. Yes, okay, the burn. I haven't forgotten the burn. But did everyone just down tools in every lab ever? You know? And, sorry, so this all combines for me together of who is Vance really? What is the Federation really? Is there a civilian government? No. I think what you see is what there is. That's my little conspiracy theory there, anyway. Yeah, you know, and I think um, we, I, I think, like, a theme that I keep touching on is the value of speculating. It's, 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 it's I'm sorry, almost Paul. impossible... <laughs> It's almost impossible to watch this show and not speculate. It is a mystery-driven show. It's asking you to speculate. However, I mean, I, you know, last week I think I said straight up I was putting, like, fan theories into the airlock <laughs> because I don't want to disappoint myself anymore, and I think that that's, like, a big part of my disappointment with the way the seasons unfolded is the answers that were in my head were kind of more interesting than what the show has presented so far. Um, so we can we can just take this at face value, you know. Like I I really tried to take Osira and Vance this week at face value, despite my like why is he why <laughs> he has terrible negotiating tactics, you know. Um, but you know yeah, it's totally possible that you know Osira mentions that. The Emerald Chain was uh, trading with uh, Deep Space 253, which, by the way, very cool little reference to canon. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the uh, Sahil's uh, relay station from uh, You Are That Hope. Uh, you know, the Federation is still, it's not totally unified. Like, yeah, we've got this pocket of starships and, uh, you know, of brass sitting out there in their literal, literal bubble, while the rest of the Federation is still kind of trying to fend for itself. Is this really the Federation? You know, I would say no. Like, that's not... It's not the Federation. It's just one faction going around thinking it's the Federation. Or maybe not even going around. We really haven't even seen them leave the bubble. They've said that they went to Kaminar. They said that they were conducting missions over the course of the season. But we have yet to see that. And then another question that... I think hangs over the show's head is we got to see the Voyager J. Where's the Enterprise? I just don't see a Federation 
without the Enterprise. And, you know, Voyager J was a nice way of, like, you know, maybe distracting our attention from the fact that the Enterprise is missing. But the Enterprise is missing. Pedro, what do you think? You know what? When I first heard this theory, I wasn't buying into it. But now, <laughs> hearing you guys talking about it, I, I think it makes more sense than I previously thought. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the one thing that I, that I believe uh, keeps me from fully like, committing to this theory is that I, I don't think they would like add one more thing in the last episode. Like, look, this is going to... No, we are all holograms. It, it, it's... it's uh, there's no government, there's no federation president. You know, I mean, they could do that. I mean, Discovery is known to, like, uh, come up with big surprises at unexpected times. But, I mean, ah, that would be too much. It's already too much. If we're going to add one more layer, it's, I mean, it's going to have to be one hell of a good episode to tie everything together. But I, I, it's possible, you know. As I said, hearing you guys talking about it makes more sense than I, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to actually materialize the way we're saying it is, but I do think that, like, uh, like an actual, you know, philosophical question the show poses is, what is the Federation? Is that just a mindset? I mean, in You Are That Hope, Burnham specifically says the Federation isn't just warp drive and starships, right? So the Emerald Chain apparently forming a Congress and science institutes is attempting to be the Federation without the name, you know, the Federation. And, okay, of course, Osiris' tactics are not just questionable. They're, you know, like, she's, like, killing people. So she's a murderer and a slaver and, you know, all these horrific things. But, uh, you know, she she, she does, like, she, she has that exchange with Vance where she says, you know, you're a chain of planets and we're a federation of I don't remember exactly what she calls herself, but she like you know, she really does draw that that parallel. And I, I definitely think that the show deserves credit for exploring you know, um, what makes this like pillar of the Star Trek franchise. Like when you break it down, when you literally tear it down, what is it still? Yeah, that is I think that's been one of the themes of the season. Um, and I think it's not done it badly. I think like it's it's asked us to ask ourselves the question, and sometimes Discovery has been accused of telling rather than showing, and it. I think this season has suffered a bit from that, but yeah. if there was one positive I have to say about it is that it has asked the question without always delivering the answer, and that's what I want from Star Trek. That's what I want from a TV show is I want to think. And there are certainly episodes within the franchise and there's how many TV shows out there that would be like, you know, all right, strap in because you ain't going to think during this one. You're just going to experience the action. But um, I think this, because we only have the one episode left to go, this brings us quite nicely up to let's, let's discuss news. For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. So, we have one episode left, not only in Star Trek Discovery Season 3, but also in this marathon 21 weeks of Star Trek that we've got, which I don't think we've ever had 
um, which has been fantastic. And the episode title, as this is what I was referring to earlier on, Paul, is that they're, they're, they're almost being changed or released slowly each week. So we got That Hope Is You Part 1 as the premiere of the season, and now That Hope Is You Part 2 is the close of the season. So, first of all, interesting, it suggests that this entire season was a self-contained story and they're all going to wake up and it was all a dream. Moving on? No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope um, not. <laughs> so, the, I think, the, well, the news that we have, so we have the CBS released the images from the upcoming episode. Um, so, some are not massively spoilery. We did get one image of Adira in Zahian makeup. So, obviously, as we know, beaming down to the planet, the the holographic environment switches your race, which is not at all racist, but anyway. Um, so you have human form Saru, you have Bajoran form Culber, and we now have Zahian form Adira. Now, combining that with the trailer, we also see Vulcan form Grey. And I think it's a safe safe bet to say that we're going to see grey if not in the flesh then you know a holographic representation of grey but before any of that and it's my fault because i just went to that before any of that the opening teaser of the episode has this beautiful shot of you know this gormagander flying by and that is my lovely way of going pedro you're a vfx wizard Please tell us a little bit about yourself, because I want to let the people who are watching here this evening know a little bit about you this evening. All right. Well, uh, I'd say, you know, first of all, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Been a Star Trek fan since I was a little kid. Uh, you know, that interest, uh, you know, expanded in some other areas. For example, my interest in VFX came, you know, from watching these shows. I, I kept having this. Uh, this idea, I, I'd like to, to live in, in the ship, you know, to, in the Enterprise and have this experience. So, you know, since I was a kid, I, I take like pictures of myself and Photoshop myself into scenes and everything like that. So, you know, that passion expanded in that area. And also I like to work with art, you know, I'm an artist, uh, I work digitally and also not that much anymore, but I still sometimes work with uh, traditional means. And mostly it's always Star Trek and science fiction in general. It's it's really what makes me passionate about all these endeavors that I, I hope to to to, to deliver. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a terrible way to that, finish that, this. That, that, that is okay, because what I want to say is um, to, to whoever is watching this on YouTube right now, you will see the header for our channel is this beautiful design that Pedro has done for Trek Culture as a channel where he's done us all up as animated Lower deck style uh, cartoon characters and honest to god I have never been so proud of a picture of myself ever like never mind all of my oh, socials that's just that. that's just me never mind my face I want that one <laughs> well Pedro um, you know this this season uh, especially the last couple episodes have really uh, highlighted some really beautiful VFX work um, I had previously said that I thought that they were kind of uh, intentionally hiding the discovery refit um, but lately, it seems like they're really not shying away from showing it. Um, this episode, we had a, a you know a, a, a nice chase sequence leading up to the Federation bubble, 
We had the uh, shots of several people ejecting into space out of Discovery. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, refit and the way that they're uh, showing it off in the uh, current season? All right, I actually have a number of things to Excellent. say about that. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, I really like the refit. I think it looks gorgeous, you know, in a, a static uh, standpoint. But at the same time, I, I even posted this on Twitter, I think, a while back. Uh, I, I miss those op opaque looking ships. Uh, to me, personally, they look a little bit more real. You know, the Discovery ships, they all look very shiny and, and reflective everywhere. And the, the refit does look like that. But, you know, as I said, it, it's an aesthetic choice. It's not a bad choice. It's just one that I, you know, I, I feel somewhat nostalgic towards the more opaque looking ships we had from basically TOS until Enterprise. But, you know, again, the refit, I absolutely love it. I think it's way cooler looking than the first Discovery. When we first saw the, like, the designs, I wasn't really, you know, a fan of that. And as the series progressed, I did, you know, grow to like the ship more. But I, I don't know, personally, I think it looks so much better like this. It, it looks more Star Trekish to me. The other one looked way too. I don't, I don't know what exactly the word I would say. You know, it looked too, too dark and somewhat. Uh, you know, yeah. you get the idea. You get the point. You know, it looks more hopeful. Yeah, you know, I think now, right? I have potentially horrible news for you. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry oh, Paul. No, but, I want to hear um, the horrible news. <laughs> potentially horrible news, then. So, <laughs> this is... So, obviously, nothing confirmed. I'm in no way affiliated with CBS. But in the trailer for next week's episode, that first shot is original Discovery. I thought that was just Now, a we don't know if that's... Shot. So, well, that's, so, it could well be. So, this could be nothing. This could just be silly speculation, but... We did a little bit of just of a dive through previous trailers, and they haven't done that before. So it could be. It could just be stock footage. Never mind. And that's grand. But it's the yeah. only thing I can think of, because again, I, it's, I, I swear you'd, you'd think I have shares in Calypso or something, but I'm not ready to delete Calypso from what we know of Discovery, and in Calypso, yeah. that's original Discovery. So, but who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so, but yeah, and now I feel really bad because you're like, you know, I love Discovery A so much. I'm like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Well, There's lots of shots of Discovery A, well, though. We didn't know yeah. that Discovery A could cloak until <laughs> she cloaked. Uh, you know, so. Yeah. Well, so maybe, like, she's got other, other uh, you know, spiffy, spiffy features. Uh, you know, maybe she can reconfigure into her, her previous uh, appearance for reasons. <laughs> I love reasons. Maybe it's all holographic. Maybe everything is holographic, like we've been saying. <laughs> that's that's absolute. You know that programmable matter. That's you know it's it's out there. It's it's. It could be I have a theory that programmable matter is holographic <laughs> material because, like they said in you know Star Trek: First Contact, switch off the safety features and a holographic bullet can kill. Right. You know, so it can be solid. Yeah what's to say you know um and in 32nd century that's much farther than we've ever gone in terms of what holograms can do or what technology can do we know that by because the the eon and the relativity i think they're 29th century um 
the Braxton's timeship, where basically where the Doctor gets his mobile emitter from. This is 29th century tech. So this is still 300 years beyond that. So I just, I feel it would make sense, other than, I mean, and this is, Joe, I'm saying this to the pair of ye, but I'm also saying this to whoever is listening or watching this as well. I do sometimes catch myself going, look, it's just not realistic. As I'm talking about this futuristic show where shows travel faster than light, which I love, and I, I base my life on Star Trek. It is funny when you go, I don't know, that's a little bit like magic in this in the context of this show, isn't it? This program will matter. But dilithium, totally fine with that. I mean, like, look, we're talking about holograms and programmable matter. Uh, the holography in the Star Trek universe has been really sketchy, I think. You know, we could have a whole podcast on the Doctor's arc and whether or not the Doctor from Voyager is a real person. The show really does seem to want us to take him as a real person. So, uh, you know, um, I, I don't really know <laughs> where I was going with that. Of the, other than to say that, like, yeah, holographic matter is basically just a different, as like a different version of programmable matter. It's just a different word for replicated matter. So, you know, um, yeah. what's uh, spoilers for the end of Picard, which hopefully all of us have seen this, but, you know, Picard gets a new, a new body, a new golem body. And I think it was Alex Kurtzman... Alex Kurtzman uh, gave an interview where he said, you know, if they're like the difference between the different, what, what, what did he say? My God, it was like, if there isn't a difference in the difference, then there is no difference. Right. So, you know, just because Picard has a new body doesn't mean that he's not still Picard just because, you know, we tear our bodies apart and transport down to a planet in like every episode of Star Trek doesn't mean that we're getting killed and cloned every episode. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's like no difference in you know holography there's no difference right so i don't know i don't know where i was going with that um but if you want to chime in in the comments let us know what you think about whether or not the doctor is sentient or not i know this is a very old conversation if you want to see a, a whole podcast devoted to that let us know in the comments for over two centuries the federation news network if you want us to flush it out the airlock, let us know. But I think it's time for Cargo Bay 101. Okay, so Cargo Bay 101. Pedro, are you familiar with this segment of our podcast? Yeah, I am. Okay, so for those who don't know, we take anything from the Star Trek universe... Put it in Cargo Bay 101, debate its merits, and if we agree, we flush it out into space, and it either never happened in the universe, or we're getting rid of it so it doesn't happen again. So, uh, Pedro, you have something lined up for us, right? Yeah. Now, here's the <laughs> thing. <laughs> so tell us. <laughs> when, you, when you guys told me about this, and I realized I had to choose something to airlock, you know, at first I thought it was going to be like a, a hard thing to do, because I generally love a lot of things about Star Trek. But then I started thinking about it and you know, things started popping up. So I had to choose and I, I chose something that I think will probably, you know, most people will have no problem with. And, you know, I think it's, it's valid. It's something that if it's, it's been bugging me for quite a while. And it's basically this, uh, you know, somewhere on TNG, I think it's season seven, I might be wrong. There's this episode where 
future Alexander goes to talk with past Worf. And it's, you know, it's a whole thing about you know, how Worf wanted his son to be a warrior and everything. And, uh, and Alexander just didn't want to do that. He, and he, he grew up to be a diplomat, I think. It, I think he was a diplomat. And you know, based on the story he, he tells us, Worf would have died because he wasn't able to defend him and his father. So he, he came back in time and he, he was trying to make his younger self a warrior. And you know, I, I, I really loved that episode because it, it made, you know, it, 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 it made a, a, a point about Klingon society and how sometimes, you know, behind a culture like a Klingon culture where you, all you see is just blood and, and you know, challenges and everything, there are actual people that have to do the sciences and the talking and everything. And beyond that, there's also the story of Alexander, you know, making his own path and becoming something else and everything. And also the, the fact that Worf, you know, understands this and at the end of the episode, he says, I'm a different person now, you know, the future will not be the same. And here's the thing, on DS9, Alexander is back and he's basically a warrior now. So that whole storyline was basically trolled out of the airlock. So here's the thing, I want to make things straight. I want to take this second version of Alexander and throw that story on the dialogue because the other one was much cooler in my opinion. You know, we have this huge potential for character, for character development and then it's just, oh no, he's just another Klingon. He wants to, to, to fight, just like anyone else, you know? And, you know, it, it, I just hate that. <laughs> I just hate Oh that. my God, I couldn't agree more. I... Yeah, that's one of my least favorite that's one of my least favorite uh, arcs on Deep Space Nine is the way they just trash Alexander's character, who was never a really yeah. appealing character <laughs> from the get-go. Uh, but they just, like, assassinate the guy. They do. Uh, Sean, I uh, but I, Yeah, I'm just basically parroting you here. It's just... So, season six of DS9 is one of the overall strongest seasons of DS9, and in fact of Star Trek, that's my personal belief, right? But Sons and Daughters, that episode where they bring Alexander is, in my opinion, the second weakest episode of the season. The weakest episode will always be Profit and Lace. We do not speak of Profit and Lace. Um, spoiler for a future Cargo Bay 101, guys. Uh, but, um, Alexander... Because there was other ways to bring Alexander into the show, which it made sense to bring him in, because obviously Worf is there. What, we're just never going to talk about your son? Totally fine. But to have him... Yeah, as you say, to have him joining up... And with such resentment toward Worf as well, without re- they hadn't left the the family situation with resentment, you know, and for him to suddenly hate him so much, I just felt it was like, have you, you you've skipped several beats of a story here, and yeah, as you're both correct in saying, the Alexander that we got in DS Nine was just a very very poor character i i didn't think he was well written i didn't think it was a good a good direction to go well i i I can't believe that we're having an alexander conversation in cargo bay 101 and not not talking about the obnoxious child alexander the uh higher the fewer but i definitely think we agree that we can flush that out the airlock 100%. 100%. Yep, I am totally... I my, my finger is on the decompress button here. We all good? All right, Alexander.
All right, that pretty much brings us up to the end of this week. So, Pedro, thank you so much for joining us this week. Really, really appreciate it. Um, we This was a fantastic episode. Thank you so much again for your contribution, for your artwork. Um, please, if people want to reach out and find you online, which they absolutely should, where can they find you? Uh, mostly Twitter. It's where I post most of my stuff. It's at Pedro Starfleet. Not the best name. Uh, my, you know, The name is General Pedrowski, but the handle is at Pedro Starfleet. So... <laughs> Oh no, that 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 is brilliant. Thank you so much. Um obviously you can find us at Trek Culture Paul, of course. Yeah, you can find me at Paul Sutherland. I also want to thank Pedro for his uh Captain Picard's ready room backdrop. It's so cool. <laughs> I can send it to you guys later if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I think that's everything for this week, guys. We will uh, we will be back next week for... It will be the final episode in regards to ongoing season, but of course it will not be the final episode of the podcast. So join us next week when we might have an idea of what's going to be coming next. But in the meantime, thank you so much, everybody. Pedro, thank you so much again. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.